Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206-451-4220. I'm Maria Metzler, the Executive Director of Helpline House. The global pandemic has affected us all differently. If you or your neighbors need food assistance, mental health counseling, rental assistance, or parks and rec vouchers, please reach out. Helpline House can help in many ways. Find us on the web at helplinehouse.org. It's what we do. Neighbor helping neighbor. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. What's good, Podcastville? You found the Bystander Podcast. Happy generic time of day to you. Today on the podcast, we're welcome, welcoming back Dom. Dom, how are you, sir? I am well. Thanks for having me today. Good. Today's podcast is brought to you by Mudwater, Blue Canary, Auto, and Helpline House. And if you'd like to support the podcast as well, please support me on po- uh, Patreon. I guess Dominic Campisi, Campise, sorry, you're off the boat now, <laughs> that. Um, has a Patreon site as well. After listening to this, I hope you can go out and support him as well. Dom, you're doing it again. Got a second podcast, second documentary t- type project going on. Yeah. Bring the listeners who may not have heard the first story, uh, kind of how we met on what project and what that was all about. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my first podcast endeavor last year was called The Killing of Stone Child Chief Stick. And it was about the uh, officer involved shooting in Polsbo on the 3rd of July in 2019. Um, it was a seven part documentary series that kind of went from, you know, the incident and and took you all the way through to the um, exoneration, as it were. Um And then now this year, I'm kind of piggybacking on that and following the uh, 2020 social movement um, after the George Floyd killing and the protests in the streets through to the uh, 2021 legislature's police reform agenda. And, uh, you know, Governor Inslee just signed the other day 12 12 bills that will reform law enforcement in Washington state. So I talk about everything from 
training to qualified immunity in this podcast and just kind of look at all the areas where uh, police are held accountable and um, a lot of areas where they're not. So in the last um, project with Stoney, um, justice wasn't really found for him. There was no charges against Officer Keller. And um, it was surprising to me because I thought you laid out uh, a non-porous <laughs> documentation of what went down. And in my eyes, it was a, an officer killing 100%. Yeah. How do, you, uh, how do you feel after that verdict? Um, you must have been devastated because I know how many public re records requests you had and how, yeah. how much time you spent on it and how, you know, close you were to it going to the event that it actually happened at. Yeah, um, I think. Th so um, last year, an officer in Auburn got charged with murder and he was the first one. Um, under the new um, I-940 initiative, you know, the legislation that came out of that. Uh, so it lowered the standard of what it takes to uh, charge an officer. Um, if you read the documentation that the uh, prosecutor outlined for his rationale to file charges, it, it reads a lot different from the one in Kitsap County. So, you know, for instance, um, the King County prosecutor hired video experts, use of force experts, uh, put together witness testimony and tried to ascertain the facts of the case. And, um, you know, that wasn't evident in, in the Kitsap County prosecutor's office. It seemed to lean heavily on eyewitness testimony, which we both know can be really flawed. Do you feel like that was the turning point with so many eyewitnesses saying that Stoney had lunged at the officer? Um, no, I think the turning point is when uh, investigators and the prosecutor decided to ignore physical ev evidence and, you know, just go with the witness testimony that supported their theory of the case and ignore other witness testimony. Uh, you could see that in, you know, the, the David Pruitt investigation, for example, who was another uh, Kitsap County person that got killed by police. Um, you know, the, the uh, case investigation went through and said, you know, this witness saw something that wasn't there, right? And even these officers are, you know, their statements don't match the facts, right? And none of that was ever done for uh, for Stoney. So, uh, you know, hopefully at some point they will go back and, and look at this again and say, you know, there's more to be done and, you know, we didn't get it right the first time. Yeah, at the, at the least, does it change how we teach our police officers? to de-escalate and I felt like to some extent the police officers were somewhat antagonistic of him and had encountered him multiple times during the day so they knew what they were dealing with prior to that shooting. It's just tragic all around for sure and yeah. you know what's super tragic too is now the prosecutor um, in right 
filed charges against you for records requests. Where were you when this happened? And at what stage of the Stonechild case was this broached? Where I, I'm not yeah. going to do it justice. You, <laughs> It's a super convoluted situation. So uh, he did not file charges against me. There's no criminal uh, anything involved. It's but This is like a, a civil case. Lawsuit. Yeah. It, and it's uh, basically what happened is uh, I'm not sure how familiar anyone is with like the Brady list, which is a, it's a list of um, generally police officers or, or public servants that the prosecutor keeps. Um, and if he has to call this witness to the stand at trial, he must give over evidence to the defense of um, it's called potential impeachment evidence. So if like this officer has a history of lying or creating false reports or, you know, anything like that, whereas credibility would come into question, um, he has to give that over to the defense. Um, so I requested the list and the supporting material for the list from the from the prosecutor under the Brady uh, Act, right? Um, like, right, right. As much general information that you can get as possible on the people that we're talking about here in this case. Right, right. And and I, you know, I wanted all of it. Right. Yeah. Why not? Uh, yeah, exactly. They, they piecemeal it to you. Yeah, one every so, ten months. So that was in uh, March of last year, and then um, you know I, I I got strung along and strung along and and kind of piecemealed out, and then uh, you know I, I called him a bunch of times in October, and I was like, you know, what's happening with this, and then. Um, you know, this early December, uh, someone, a process server came to my house and served me with, uh, it's called a motion for summary judgment that, um, asks a judge whether or not they could, uh, they should have to give over those files. So how did it come up to, why did, why do you think they did this at such a late time because you know you're what you're 10 months down the road after you got the material or 10 months after you requested it after i requested it so they they were never planning on producing the material and now they're they, they will yeah their stance was that they did not have to provide that to me um and they changed their tune a bit yeah and what made them change their tune? Because um, it seems like Enright was the one that put the lawsuit on you, and then Enright was the one that revoked it. Like, we're not going to do this. But right. in the meantime, you still had to defend yourself. Right. So, uh, you know, shortly after the I was served, I retained counsel, and then counsel uh, negotiated the release of the documents um, and then, you know, I, so I, I got the documents. I essentially won the case 
by getting what I wanted, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm out all the costs of, of, uh, but that blows me away because the prosecuting attorney brought the charges up in the first place. So right. when you go to defend yourself, he's using taxpayer money. You're, you're using your own. You don't yeah. want any part of this. You didn't do anything wrong. You won in the end and got the documents. So why don't they have to pay your attorney fees? Because we never went to court. Uh, because they gave over the documents before we actually went in front of a judge. And so I think, you know, this is like a sneaky way to penalize public records requesters. It's, it's like a, a fake lawsuit, essentially. Okay. And Let me stop you real quick. Aren't they a requester of the paperwork as well? So can you not turn around and do a fake lawsuit against them for the same um, principle? I mean, I could file suit, but like the, they have nothing to lose, right? There's no m penalty for them, essentially. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, you know, like to defend themselves in this case had to have cost, you know, thousands of dollars. I mean tens of thousands of dollars, right? if not more than that. So it's like, you know. But, but then you're asking me to pay for it as a taxpayer <laughs> just I mean, so we can yeah. stick it to the man. Yeah, it, it was confusing. And I should add, too, that there were other requesters um, of the same information, and they were all backed by large media corporations, but they never got sued. So they just, you know. Went for the individual journalist, yeah. huh? Yeah. So you think they were spiteful in doing so? Um, I can't think of a good reason to do that. Yeah, so. to me, from the outside, um, looking in, it seems retaliatory. Yeah. In my best estimate. But uh, I don't fact checks. So I don't call a defamation character a <laughs> suit against me. <laughs> I'm already worried that I hung out with you in the first place. Yeah. Um, so how is your relationship with Prosecutor Enright as of today? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I haven't reached out to him because the suit is still ongoing, I guess. In what um, capacity? So uh, I'm appealing the verdict of... Um, no attorney's fees for this case. And so it's technically still ongoing. I mean, I, I, I would like to reach out to him at some point and uh, get his thoughts on several issues. Yeah. Maybe I should just call him up, put him on the pod. Yeah. You can, you can be like uh, Elmo's little puppeteer and we'll, we'll ask, ask some questions there of him. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so you're on this really cool new project. Um, proud of you, for sure. You are going to have enough knowledge to be a, a practicing attorney without a law degree. Oh, man. Very shortly. Yeah. You must like to read. Uh, I do like to read. And the whole thing is just fascinating from top to bottom. Uh, the system, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's like... I had this moment yesterday where I was thinking, you know, when you're a kid 
you see all these people in positions of power and you're like, oh, they, you know, they must be so smart. You know, they must have it all together. And yeah. then you uh, once you get into it and you get a little older and you find out that everyone's just winging it and it's all built on, you know, it's all a house of cards. So uh, the the uh, law enforcement system in Washington state is no different. Maybe there's an independent consulting job you can get for the government. I hear they pay good. <laughs> uh, they do, but it's uh, it's dicey. And I'll, I'll get into that in one of my episodes is that, you know, people are trying to make a difference, but um, getting the short end of the stick a lot of times. So you, you have a new podcast coming out um, soon, correct? Yeah, June 8th, it's launching. June 8th, State of Accountability. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about what I can understand why you chose this topic, but yeah, please tell me the origin story of the state of accountability. Sure. So, um, you know, I learned a lot about the law uh, as it was changing after, um, you know, Stoney's shooting. Mm-hmm. And from there, it kind of uh, exploded in the legislature this year. And part of the impetus for that was um, the person who uh, began Initiative 940, um, Leslie Cushman, who helped found this um, organization called Washington Coalition for Police Accountability. And it was made up of family members who have lost loved ones uh, or have been impacted by police violence. Mm. And one of the members on that coalition was Trishandra, who was uh, Stoney's um, mother of Stoney's kids. And so, you know, um, their work really was a driving force behind uh, most of the legislation that came out. And it is impactful, uh, to say the absolute least. It, it'll it absolutely change the face of law enforcement in Washington State moving forward. And I think we've already seen a little bit of that the other day, right, with uh, three more officers charged in uh, Manny Ellis's killing. Yeah, charged with murder, too. Yeah. It's uh, not a small charge. No, no. And, you know, the, the charging document in that case, again, was just a, a stunning shift from what we saw in the Stonechild case. Uh, again, hiring experts, uh, re-examining the evidence, uh, comparing statements, all of these things that, that didn't get done in, in Stoney's case. Yeah. Uh, surprising to me that the charges came up um and it's a, a sign of the times for sure because what was there 646 people shot dead by police in the last 20 years and only one person charged yeah yeah and um you know i think this is kind of a sign of the times the way that the community wants policing done a different way you know it, it's not okay to kill people and, uh, you know, you, ca- you can't get away with it anymore. Well, how do you feel about the um, insurgents and how they're not looking into that? And they're saying it's a repetitory investigation. Are you talking about? Capital 
Capitol Hill Trump Uh, rally. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame. Yeah, I I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to get to the bottom of that and answer every last question, right? Right. That's part of the why I do these things, right? Is because I want there. There's no more whys for me, you know. At the end of the day, I I know the answers, right? right. Or or at least I'm trying to, and um, you know, for that and you know that event was just distinct. Still, so many questions that are unanswered. I don't I don't know why you wouldn't want to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I feel like the Democrats are going to put together indivis, indiv, uh, a separate investigation on their own behalf. You know, if the Republicans are going to fight tooth and nail not to join in a bipartisan investigation, I think the Democrats will do it anyway. Um, yeah. It's just kind of a split state of, of the United States. It's not united anymore. It's, it's the split of states. And um, with the voting suppression getting picked up, insurgents, there, you kind of, as a kid, like you were talking about before, you look up to these people in suits and ties, thinking they're the smartest people in the world. Yeah, that's a president or that's a politician. You know, they have a high ilk or high regard. They're deviants, just <laughs> just like some of these police officers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if so, having now seen the Brady list and the supporting Brady material, I can tell you that not every officer is a good officer, right? And a lot of them, unfortunately, need to not wear the uniform. You know, they disgrace the profession. And I, I talk to a lot of law enforcement that are like, yeah, you know, we want these guys out or girls, you know, we want these people to not be in the profession because, you know, they're bringing shame upon all of us. But, you know, the unions are so powerful and the, um, you know, policies are so vague that to remove these officers is just, you know, there's more liability uh, in cut in, you know, firing them than there is keeping them on. That's crazy. And yeah. you hear about um, Capitol Hills saying that they don't want any um, police officers or police presence that they're gathering this year. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a sign of the times there too. You know, you just show up, you're, you're causing trouble just by wearing the badge. It's unfortunate. Yeah. And you know, it all stems from this summer of protesting where, you know, people come to, uh, say we don't like the way policing is done you're using too much force and you know what happens is they come out in riot gear and tear gas everybody and you know blast ball them in the face it's like tone deaf beyond uh beyond reason and you know i (laughs) i just have to say because it's top of mind I did this uh, community dialogue with the uh, Seattle Police Department the other day. Oh, wow. And uh, it was enlightening because there was about 12 officers and a captain there. And the 12 officers are like, you know, we don't like being associated with with that message, right? That law enforcement is bad and, you know, they're, they 
kill black people with impunity and there's no accountability and all that kind of talk. And, uh, you know, everyone's saying, well, that's your union position. You know, your union is like so defiant and so, you know, anti change. Right. And the captain, so, you know, all the, the, patrol and you know detective level people are like yeah you know that's doesn't they don't really speak for us and you know we're embarrassed by that kind of thing right but the captain says you know it's the city council's fault it's the mayor's fault it's you know it's the lawmaker's fault it's it's everyone else's fault but uh victimhood mentality yeah and it's like if you we're on a football team, for example, and you lost a big game and you go back in the room and the coach is like, well, you shouldn't have lost that game. It was the ball was faulty and the refs were against us and the other team had an advantage and the stadium was yada, yada. Are you just talking like, about playing the Patriots right now? <laughs> well, you'd be like, I don't want to work. I don't want to play for this coach. There's like, right. what kind of, what kind of leadership does that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just disappointing to, you know, on on every level. And I I just blame the referee, (laughs) blame everybody but yourself. It's like, well, no wonder things don't change is because there's no state of accountability. There's no accountability. So how do you see um, police forces shaping up? Do you think um, some will be defunded? And then do you think others will just have a huge hiring problem, a training problem, a funding problem? Yeah. I mean, some basic elements have to happen in change before we can even get the minds of those men and women together in a room and start training them. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, answers to that question. Because the one thing I will say, first off, is that there are police departments that are like doing it right. You know, they have a good culture of um, accountability. They hire the right people. Um, And, you know, they are. It's so funny because the defund movement and law enforcement are actually in agreement on so many issues like working with people in crisis, right? Like law enforcement doesn't want to be the ones responding to those calls. And they've said as much, even uh, Sheriff Simpson in Kitsap County has said as much, you know, but it's just this term defunded that people get, uh, you know, stymied by, um, but I, I think the community and even law enforcement want the same thing there. Mm-hmm. But uh, as, as far as training goes, um, that also really needs to be addressed. Yeah. I mean, if I remember right, wasn't Keller doing some training himself? Or was it somebody mean? that was doing his interview was doing the training? And he had only had a couple hours of the training. What was that whole scenario that looked yeah, a little? Well, I mean, so here's here's something interesting that that I talk about in the uh, 
I think it's the third, second or third episode, is that the it only for first of all it only it only takes five months of training to become a police officer, and then after that, there's no continuing real, education. Yeah, there's no real mandate for the type of training you receive, I guess, or or what what the training actually is. And so when you start to dig into like what these officers are learning during that time that they're, you know, it it says, you know, an implicit bias class for one hour and you're like, well, you know, what, what are they actually learning in that class and how much can you learn in, in an hour? You know what I mean? It's, uh, it just makes you shake your head, I guess. Yeah. I thought, I thought Carmen Best was the ideal candidate for the Seattle police department. And then she seemed to run a, run amok with the city council and the mayor. And, you know, I just have a hard time seeing Seattle, downtown Seattle return to the normalcy it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, downtown has its own problems too with like the third Avenue situation and uh, what's going on at the courthouse is just, you know, it's something that's been plaguing the city for decades. Yeah, I I would say my entire life, people will walk out of jail and then just sit on the lawn outside the courthouse and never get up again. (laughs) And it just becomes as hundreds of people just being homeless and using drugs right at the base of the the prison, right outside the courthouse in a public park. There's been, I, I think there were a lot of people quit uh, recently that worked at the courthouse because, you know, they had been assaulted and, and abused when, you know, on the way to and from work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's whoever uh, is the mayor next year will have a lot of work to do. Yeah, that's going to be tough, too, because I think last time I noticed there's 23 filings for mayor. And it, yeah, it, you know, it, that'll that'll whittle down, of course. But yeah. Uh, I thought James Donaldson was a unique candidate, the old supersonic center, went to Roosevelt High School. He had some decent yeah. ideas. Yeah, it's interesting to see the pool there. Uh, I, I'm curious to, to know how that's going to shake out because, I mean, everyone wants something different right now, but, you know, who can get the most people on their side? It will be, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like a bunch of mini civil wars. Hey, um, how did you collect all these people that are um, kind of support supporting the state of accountability? Um, former, what, what do you, you got such a cornucopia of people kind of consult consulting on this project. Where did you find everybody, and how did yeah. you connect everybody? Well, so. Uh... I guess the first thing I did was kind of list out, I made this rough outline of all the places where accountability could be achieved, uh, is achieved and is lacking. And then I, you know, through reading and uh, just following the news and everything, I just kind of started piecing all these people together. And then, uh, you know, I would find someone here or there and get referred to someone like, uh, you know, someone referred me to a 
a police officer who was fired for, um, you know, complaining about this person that they hired uh, lying on their polygraph, basically, right? And so it's like, you know, once once you're into it, you kind of get just get bounced around to all the. Everyone's got like a horror story, basically, you know. And it's just, uh, I'm I'm here to listen to it. Start going down a rabbit hole and it takes a turn. You find another rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, you know, I'm 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 the guy at, at two in the morning. I'm just like, oh my god, it, you know, it's like the the more clicks you go, the the weirder it gets, and and you know, I, that's where I live in that space. <laughs> uh, can you tell me a couple of the people that uh, did contribute uh, meaningful contribution contributions to this project? Uh, a couple of people that did, is that what you said? Yeah, that really um, gave you a kick in the pants and said, "Sure, you can use uh, this. <laughs> well, you know, one of the more compelling stories, and uh, the South Seattle Emerald right now is doing a, it's a longer series. It's I think it's up to four parts right now about Deborah Jacobs, who is the former King County Office of Law Enforcement Oversight Director. And she, you know, I feel like very close to this type of person because she, you know, comes in and she's like, I'm going to get this place back. And she's she's really passionate about the job. You know, she's like, I want to, you know, examine these investigations. Where can we do better? What can we change policy wise? And she was like a really gung ho person. Um, but she was not at all embraced by the King County Sheriff's office or the King County sheriffs, uh, that she worked under. And, um, she was eventually forced out of her job, um, for some fairly petty things, I would say. Mm. And it's just kind of stunning to see the lengths that they'll go to, to develop an investigation and to develop paperwork on people they don't like. And then for things like officer-involved shootings, it's very scant and just like surface questions and everything's really vague and, you know, it, it's not buttoned up, right? So, right. You know, so her story is, is pretty interesting. Um, you know, and you, could, you could really pick anyone out of this list here. I think uh, Senator Dingra, Manka Dingra, she is a... Uh, and, I, you know, I don't know if people know this, but the legislature in Washington is part time. So so the legislators go to work, you know, from January to April and then they go have another job when uh, it's not in session. Wow. And so, yeah. Senator Dingra is uh, a prosecutor at the King County Prosecutor's Office. And, um, you know, she was for uh, most of these bills that were um, in Congress uh, this year. Um, as far as police reform. But then also in 2018, she was uh, a WA Cops Legislator of the Year. So so a police union, the Washington Coalition of Police and Sheriffs uh, Legislator of the Year because she made a law that said you couldn't fire anybody for having a Brady offense. So being, you know, having been uh, found to have been untruthful in investigations. So lying is not a reason to get fired. Right. 
and she founded that law. She she sponsored that law in in 2018, and now so is, how's she helping you? <laughs> now is kind of on the other end. Well, you know what? I, I've collected all these people to get all their thoughts on the yeah. situation, right? And so. So they're the ones that are telling this story. It, it, you know, it's not it's not me. It's through their words we we talk about these situations and and you know where where things stand and how they could be better. Um, I talked to Commander Randy Maynard, who uh, heads up the Special Investigations Unit in Kennewick. Who it's uh, basically KCERT for Benton County. And, uh, Tell people what KCERT is again. So KCERT is the um, Kitsap County Incident Response Team. So they are, it's, it's a conglomeration of... Your um, best friends? <laughs> of all, you know, officers to respond to like an officer-involved shooting. And they uh, are independent investigators. Yeah, that's the one that the lady that was in KCERT was... The one that did Keller's training, correct? She and one of the other officers involved worked together for 10 years, 10 plus years. And did Keller get, I'm sorry, I'm jumping from two different podcasts here. Okay. Did Keller get any um, disciplinary action whatsoever? No. Not no. a pink slip in his fact, file? Recently, he was recognized by the Paulsbo Police Union so recognizes what? Yes. They, <laughs> they didn't say. Oh my God. So he got, he got an award of some sort, but of course he was the police union president when all that went down. And I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. And, uh, he was, uh, working with the chief at the time, to um, craft a new use of force policy while he was on administrative leave. So he literally killed that idea. <laughs> oh, man. Mr. Keller, I don't care for you. I'm just going to put that out there in the ether. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting side note, too, because I had been requesting his use of force records for almost two years and I, I finally got them like a month or two ago. And so what'd you find out? Very enlightening. Uh he had twelve uses of force before uh Stony. Was that and, excessive uses of force or just uses of force? Um uses of force. How do you define that? Um used his taser um That's a good question. There was, it's hard to say. There was violence, I guess. I don't know. It, it's hard to categorize. Mm -hmm. But, um, well, yeah. We'll just dig into that, won't we, after we get <laughs> off the air, Dom? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of these situations where someone should have spotted this before. You know, he, he accounted personally for 20% of Polsbo's uses of force and 20% of Polsbo's arrests. 
So, you know, one guy accounting for, you know, a fifth of the work. Yeah. Of, you know, there was like 17 officers in Paulsbo, something like that. And I'll so I'll go ahead. I always just like use this example of like, if you're trying to feed all these people and you get, you know, like four pizzas and one get one guy eats a whole pizza, you'd be like, man, that's not cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like who does that? That's not acceptable behavior. Uh, I seen Keller. He ain't in that great of shape. He might do that with the pizza too. <laughs> oh man. man. Yeah. How does that not make you pull what's left of your hair out? Uh, That's so demoralizing. And, and I'm not as is. close to the case as you are for sure. And uh, it is. And you know, the, I think too about the city officials uh, who the enablers. Yeah. They, they did nothing. They, they didn't care to look at the facts and, uh, you know, they'll probably all be back next time. Uh, you know, this is what happens with zero accountability and the chief who quit now got that cush job at the parks department. So no accountability at all. No, I'm sorry, Dom. I really am. You know, this is the state. This is the state of things, and the people should be people should be upset about it. You know, anyone who cares about you know the life law, in general and the it, law, yes, yeah. yeah, or you know, life that too. Yeah, I I don't know where the police are going to get new officers from, because who wants to go into a job and immediately be hated? by the majority of the woke crowd where do we where are we going to find these kids is it going to be like the military like when you turn 18 you, you sign up for a police academy instead of a college yeah. or war i don't know i think all they need to do is get better at messaging and listen to the community and there's no shortage of people who want to do good by the community mm -hmm. i would say if anything people don't want to be yeah, like you said, like associated with these bad agencies. But, you know, there's a real easy way to turn that around. And that's just to come out and say, hey, we're like on your team. Because right now, like the Seattle Police Officers Guild, they're not on the side of the community, no. clearly. Or if you, you know, read the... Uh, response to the arrests of the Tacoma officers, they are, you know, saying it's a political witch hunt. Where, where have you heard that before? And, and, you know, and who wants to be associated with that? Right. No, nobody's seeing that uh, police officer that climbed the tree and brought down the little kitten for the little girl. You know, there's yeah. no feel good stories like that. And, you and know, there are some, there are some, like they, they talk yeah. about the big arrests and the big busts and the, you know, arrest, you know, capturing killers all the time. Right. And that's kind of one of these things where you, you know, watch all these shows and you're like, wow, these people are like brave and noble and stuff. And then, uh, you know, the reality is much different. Do you think there's an incentive program like let's let's take paul's bow police 
do you think there was an incentive plan for Keller to write more speeding tickets or make more arrests? And that's why his numbers were high. And does that help him up the promotion uh, mm -hmm. tree? The, the uh, rationale I was given is that he is a proactive police officer and that a lot of other officers will just like let things slide, I guess. But uh, he is proactive. Like <laughs> proactively well you know a lot of a lot of the stuff that you know he was like a drug cop uh you know he had the canine and i guess i'll just leave it at that okay you're you're a better man than me because i just want to sit here and rip on him all day long <laughs> i'm not trying to rip on anybody i'm just going with uh -huh. the stuff that's presented to me and until someone can make a convincing argument that I'm wrong right or that, that that the documentation is wrong then you know that's what it is that's why I love you man cuz you you're the James Crowder of Seattle where you you just sit on in a park seat and say prove me different <laughs> well you know no one no one is stepping up to argue with you yeah, and that's kind of one of those things where I'm like trying. I'm calling all you know all these people on this list. I'm like, tell me the things I'm seeing are wrong. Tell yeah. me these numbers are you know aren't what they are. And you know, so far nobody has. So far, everyone's in agreement, except the prosecutor, except Kitsap County prosecutor. Um, so you got. I don't know what you did before Stonechild, other than trimming NFL film type stuff. Um, yeah. But now you've gone too completely deep into these podcasts, um, Justice for Stonechild and uh, this accountability state of accountability podcast. So up your sleeve, what's your next project? I, I can feel some bulk in that sleeve there. Yeah, I uh, don't know for sure. I got to get this one out the door and then and then we'll decide. But I, I do need to step back for a little bit because it's it weighs heavy on you. You know, it, it, I'm just one man. Yeah, well, people need to step up a little bit more. You know, it, last year was crazy. Everyone came out and but, the, you know, that work is not done, not close to done you know and uh until that happens people are gonna die right and and people will get away with it on the subject of the woke crowd do you think people are overly woke now <laughs> have we readjusted the wrong way too far uh, um, is it helping or hindering some of these type of projects I think it doesn't help to be overly passionate when you're in conversation with someone who thinks a different way. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, sometimes we let that get the best of us. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is it too woke to be empathetic to your neighbors? No. I would say, I would say no, but uh, yeah, I mean, no, 
You can't. You can't be too woke. <laughs> Looking back on uh, Colin, Colin Kaepernick, how do you <laughs> how do you think that's evolved since his incident with the police socks and him basically going out of the league the next year and never returning? I personally feel like he doesn't really want to play football to the extent that people yeah. think he does, but. Well, you know, tossing that aside, what are your he, feelings? He did that workout like a year or two ago, right? Joke. Was it? I don't know. <laughs> it seemed legit because why would you go through all of that whole thing? But, uh, you know, guys like Matt Barkley had jobs in the NFL, and there's no way Kaepernick was not as good as Matt Barkley. Right, right, but Matt Barkley is pit- taking minimum salary. Colin wasn't going to take minimum sal- salary either. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of people that needed help. And yeah. uh, he, I don't know. Do you feel uh, he's a martyr? No. Okay. Not at all. I think he was a dude who tried to raise some issues and then got shut down. Like, look at uh, Naomi Osaka right now. Mm-hmm. She tried to give herself a mental health break, said, hey, guys, this is too much for me. And she got fined and then said that there was going to be bigger penalties if she, you know, didn't play the game. And so she had to withdraw from the from the open. Yeah, I'm a big fan of her. She's really up and coming star, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, or just look at. uh I think it was this year where the Chiefs game, <laughs> the first game of the season, they came out with this huge like Black Lives Matter type video or something. And then everyone in the stands booed. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, um, you know, people just, I it's, don't it's, understand really why. I, I think the timing post pandemic, some people are much more empathetic and ready to receive information than even a year ago, let alone 20 years ago. I also think there's a lot of division in the United States. So you're going to get the opposite opinion quite often and shouted from the top of the trees uh, real deep. And you see that in Marjorie Green and Hallie and a few of these uh, Republicans that are not just doing their job, they're being overly aggressive into it. Yeah. And you, you see that in, in police unions. Uh, Mike Solon, the uh, Seattle Police Officers Guild president, his platform was like defending officers in officer involved shootings, getting out the narrative, and uh, assaulting protesters was, was his platform. And he was uh, overwhelmingly elected in a landslide victory. But, you know, after all these things come out, they all, you know, are defiant in tone. And, you know, we won't be held accountable because we're just doing our jobs. We're making split second decisions. It's like a, a, a script that they read. Mm-hmm. And it's just meant to insulate their officers from accountability yeah there's a lot of buzzwords like green organic uh, non-gmo gluten-free you know you you pastured eggs free-range eggs organic eggs 
eggs only laid on Tuesday. You know, there's a lot of wording going into the selling of ideas and, and products and goods. And I really yeah. feel like that's something that Trump did very purposefully is uh, use certain language to evoke certain response. Yeah. And it was a lot of just repetition to get it into people's heads, like political witch hunt, for example. Perfect call. Perfect call. It was a perfect call. Yeah. You know, he'll say the lie three times just so you're, you're sure you heard it. But, yep. he, you know, I often say with Joel Underwood, the other gentleman that co-hosts with me time to time on politics, you know, he, he said, you know, once a person just continually lies, you know, you quit listening. It, it doesn't matter. You no, no longer have that defense mechanism. Hey, you know, stop that. You're lying. You just start to know that that's what you're getting from that person. Yeah. Constant diarrhea of the mouth. Stop. Yeah. I mean, I guess apparently that's politics, question mark. Yeah. But, you know, politics and policing kind of mesh together in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, we haven't even got into prison reform or, you know, wrongful convictions and, you know, how many other elements of the jail system can you tackle as an independent journalist? <laughs> um, I couldn't believe that dude that with the horns at the insurrection, you know, he had to get transferred because there was non-organic food and he was a vegan. So he had to move his cell. Yeah. Uh... And, you know, it doesn't cost me a million dollars to feed my family every year, but it's about a million dollars per inmate to to take care of them and house them. And we're in such a business of jails and institutions like that. We really got to get on the mental side. It's just like selling diet this and diet that. How about we sell exercise and mindfulness and meditation, and yoga? You know? No money in that, apparently. Well, I don't know who's seen that Netflix doc. Because you can't, you can't make it addictive. Yeah. Well, maybe. Was it, wasn't it, was it the wild country? Did you see that documentary about the yogi? I did see some of it. He got people pretty addicted, but it, once again, it was wording and cult-like. Yeah, but that was brainwashing. Yeah, that, well, that that's advertising. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not into that. And by the way, this uh, episode is sponsored by Mudwater. There's a link in the story details. See, we just segued right into doing the same thing. Beautiful. Nice. A um, couple, of, couple of questions and I'll let you go. How is your family held up while you're constantly in the weeds? Yeah, that is um, an issue, I guess. Uh, you know, it's like the people that I'm trying to shine a light on do not want light shined on them and so you know sometimes we get concerned about retaliation oh, um, and you know obviously getting sued was pretty unpleasant so um you know it's it's a burden for sure are you set inside of setting aside time for family and and stepping away from this pro these projects every once in a while? 
Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, this isn't my job, right? right? So I like have a job and I got the family and then I try to do this extra. And so, um, you know, right. I, I'm, I'm the same way. I got some really good advice. Um, semi recently, um, day after Thanksgiving, I crashed my bike and was concussed and had a bunch of people jump in on the podcast because my thought was, I got to be consistent every Tuesday. I got to drop a podcast, drop a podcast. I'll lose listeners. I'll never find more. You know, I had this wheel spinning and spinning and uh, about eight people stepped up and guest host, which was really cool. And yeah. uh, after that, one of the guest hosts said, Hey, you know what, Tim, if you miss that Tuesday deadline, the internet will still be there Wednesday and every other day after that. So just take your time and, and don't push projects and yeah, relax a little. Sometimes you get these deadlines or this constant, I got to check something off my to-do list or I want to accomplish this in your thought process compared to somebody else's thought process. Oh, look, I just found another podcast. I listened to 50 anyway. Right. I didn't yeah. know it came out 14 days ago or whatever, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. as a work, working guy, it's different. For me, uh, part of it is like, I want people to know this stuff, right? It, this needs to get out there before it gets too stale, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other thing is uh, I just need to move on from <laughs> the project, right? I need to do something different because like, you know, this is like six months I've been working on this now. So um, yeah, it's time to do something else. Yeah, I always like stepping away and... Uh coming back with fresh eyes or having somebody else look something over for a minute because you get down those rabbit holes and you're like, I want the story to go this direction or that direction. And I don't know about you, but I've stopped scripting things and trying to just go natural flow of where the conversation takes you. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a scripter. I want it to be condensed. Yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to make all these episodes under 30 minutes. Oh, wow. And so, and so it's like, uh, I got to hit several points before, before we get out of there. My wife would like that. <laughs> She's very <laughs> uh, straight lines. Keep it neat. Just yep. the who, what, why, and when, and I don't have time for anything else. Mm -hmm. No fluff. No fluff. All right. Um, Dominic Campese, State of Accountability, coming out June 8th on pretty much every platform, right? Right? Yeah. And you have a website, stateofaccountability.com? Uh, that's right, stateofaccountability.com. And, uh, you know, if you want to support my work, go to patreon.com slash domcampese. I'll put a link to that Patreon alongside mine. And you uh, people out there in Podcastville can support creators like us so we can still uh, make this kind of content for you to listen to. You've been listening to the Bystander Podcast. We're going to listen to a short trailer from his upcoming podcast. You got anything else to say, Dom? I think that I think we covered everything. Thanks again. I always like talking to you and appreciate you coming on again. Sure. All right. Be kind. Go Bills. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Bye bye. From 2000 to 2020, Washington State Police officers killed 646 people. During that time, only one officer was criminally charged with murder. 
Before that charge, that officer had previously killed three others. As of this recording, he's still employed by the Auburn Police Department. How can so many killings end in no punishment? Is this the way policing is supposed to work? In 2020, streets all over Washington erupted in protest against the way policing is done. Law enforcement responded with a defiant show of force. Somewhere, there's a disconnect. The problem that led to the cover-up is endemic. There has not been an acknowledgement in the broader police community of wrongdoing. This is not something that our community should tolerate. This is not something that any family should have to go through. They lie to protect themselves all the time. It's what they do. It's how they're trained. You can't lie and be a police officer. If you lie, you're done. If people don't trust law enforcement, then it makes us all less safe. It wasn't. It is still like a good old boy department. You're like, this can't be real and that's how it is. It's not hip to be in the Klan, but it's hip to be a patriot. Politics gets in the way of me fixing really good policy all the time. I'm going to ask you to do it. I'm going to tell you to do it. I'm going to make you do it. The law gives police the right to use force to stop a threat. If you take non-lethal force away from me, now what do I have left? Lethal force. This is wrong, and I don't want to see anybody else bury their child. I don't want to see any more more deaths on TV (laughs) because it is so wrong. It's so egregiously, evilly wrong, and it shouldn't happen. And we all have to stand up and fight for those who will follow if we don't do something. State of Accountability is a documentary-style podcast series that will illuminate the current approach to police accountability the pitfalls of that system, and how the social movement of 2020 guided a legislative process that aimed to address it. Nakia Hunter. I am the sister of Carlos Hunter. He was murdered by the Vancouver Police Department. Brad Clippert. I'm an elected member of the Washington State House of Representatives. Randy Maynard, Kenwood Police Department. Monica Alexander, Interim Executive Director of the Criminal Justice Training Commission. Jesse Johnson, State Representative for the 30th District. Martina Morris, a retired professor of statistics and sociology. Inoka Herat, police practices and immigration counsel for the ACLU of Washington. Lewis Cam, reporter with the Seattle Times. Through conversations with activists, law enforcement, legislators, and others, this podcast series will pull back the curtain on the inner workings of police departments, oversight boards, and activism groups within Washington state. Ultimately, the conflict in the street gave shape to the 2021 legislative session, where these voices came together to deliver a wave of legislation that'll dramatically change the face of law enforcement. My name is Dom Campese, and in each episode of State of Accountability, I'll be taking you to the crossroads between modern law enforcement and reform efforts. From officer training to qualified immunity, we'll examine areas where accountability is lacking and what legislators are doing about it. Go to stateofaccountability.com to sign up for notifications or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform.